folks. Welcome back to the thrilling conclusion of our analysis of the film Logan. Um, if you didn't hear last week's episode, go back and listen to it so you have the context. But if you did already listen to it, then you're good to go. But I watched it last night for the first time in since becoming a father. Uh, yeah. And, and also, I'm expecting a second child in like the next few weeks. Oh, and congratulations. So, like, Thank you. I think mostly good. Yes. No, no, we're, we're beside ourselves. It's great. But like uh, watching it then and she goes, daddy, I was like, Jesus, no. Oh my God. No, the, the, the one that always gets yeah. me is, is when Charles, when we're sorry, Barry, yeah. you're going to get it spoiled here, but um, <laughs> it's fine. I had it coming. When, um, you know, because of this, this long history between Charles and Logan mm-hmm. and when the, the horrible, the horrible irony of Logan of of it being another Wolverine clone mm-hmm. from this Terrigen, this company that mm-hmm. kills Xavier. Yeah, and you know we know that that Charles knows that Logan wouldn't do that to him, just like Logan knows. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. there's this there's always this level of guilt because when you're a yeah. caretaker, you kind of resent it, you know. Yeah, and part of you doesn't want the doesn't want the job doesn't want the responsibility yeah. and so for for we we see how exacerbated logan is throughout the film and how much he cares for charles but how mm-hmm. just it's difficult he's he's an insanely yeah. powerful being who can't control his brain and he loves him but it's just it's it's impossible and for the, the symbolism of it being this mm-hmm. part of himself that kills mm-hmm. charles is is yeah. very heavy and mm-hmm. that scene when he has to go to Charles and like, it wasn't me. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't me. It's yeah. just, it makes it, it kills, it kills me every single time. Yeah. Well, and, and of course, you know, Xavier is also confessing at the same time. He knows that something happened, but he doesn't know what. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, Logan's been keeping that from him. Like, so part of that, yeah, there's the little bit of resentment of like the way in which Charles complicates his life, but also Logan is trying to keep him safe. Yeah. Like, it does recontextualize how he keeps him isolated because it's not just a matter of like, okay, the safety of other people around him, but also to keep Charles from learning yeah. about what he did that caused the injury and death of people. Yeah, um, of yeah. his family. So, of it, yeah, yeah, like God almighty. Um, and on a slightly lighter note, something you said about, uh, 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 about your husband being from El Salvador reminded me of something that relates to child soldiers, and that's a bit of a step up from where we are now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so when I was a kid, and I've talked a little bit about this on TikTok and a little bit on on this podcast, like my mom ran a, a Mexican um, grocery store, which is to say it was specifically for the Mexican community uh, to come in and get food and that kind of stuff and, you know, be able to have like a place where that was, you know, culturally sensitive to them so they could get food from home, they could call home with like, you know, buy the cards that you used to have to have for international visits, all that kind of stuff. Um, and of course the clan didn't like that. So they did some foolishness, but what, like there were two guys, there were brothers that were from El Salvador who like operated as like the impromptu security for her. So like after like they did some stuff and were harassing and terrorizing, you know, my family, um, because it was just my mom and me at that time, like these guys who were friends with her would like on their days off, they'd come in and one did not have papers to be in the country two had weapons that were not registered in any way <laughs> and three had been carrying guns since they were like nine because the, the uh, El Salvador Civil War yeah. had started in 1979 mm-hmm. and they were conscripted child soldiers and it's like oh my god now as like growing up and like as a teenager I'm like oh that's badass again as an adult that's horrifying it's so sad um, it is it's terrible um, yeah. and also puts in light like my dad who is a Mexican immigrant 
who um, he said that the first time he came to the United States, like all the immigrants, you know, they pretty much hang out together or whatever, but he would not hang out with the guys from El Salvador because they were, they were too, they partied too hard. Oh yeah. And, and, and in retrospect, it was because they were also former child soldiers. Oh yeah. Who, the PTSD yeah, were, is real. Who were, yeah. And in grand um, Latino fashion, rather than, use whatever resources they had which were not much at all the the result was to drink yeah uh, so <laughs> no i mean i my, my husband yeah. is from el salvador and we met in washington dc which is i think still the largest population of salvadorans um outside of el salvador um oh, wow. and so i'm i they're they're my they're my found family yeah. um those those guys are the best and yeah uh-huh. even though in my experience, mm. it's a very common thing to to be a heavy drinker and, and cope with the with life that way. They they mm. will have your back any way that you need oh, to yeah. in any moment. And I, I that's one of the themes that I also really liked about this film. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm like a little bit of a I wouldn't say I'm a militant anti capitalist. I'm more of a conceptual anti capitalist. <laughs> You've got but, some notes <laughs> about the fil- about capitalism, some <laughs> critiques. But I do think that this film illustrates. Um, really really well the dangers of um hyper capitalism and late stage capitalism and specifically you know the the corporation is set up in mexico it's an american corporation Mm -hmm. that is set up in mexico in order to get around u.s laws um again this is not Not political political. no this is purely coincidental it's just it's window dressing at best exactly Yeah. yeah But it very much, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I had always had a cursory knowledge of, you know, the way that the United States interfered in South in uh, Central America and e- even South America in, in places mm-hmm. um, in order to, to have a friendly political environment down there. Um, uh, but <laughs> like, just like El Salvador, like El Salvador, yeah. I, I, I didn't really know much about before I met my, my husband and. You know, the, the way that, that the United States interfered and um, interfered during their civil war in, in mm-hmm. the direct way of sending people to, to train their military who they mm-hmm. knew was recruiting child soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yep. there are there are multiple massacres yeah. that happened at the hands of, of government soldiers that just it's not as far as I know, the U.S. government has almost never even acknowledged, you know, the, the specific involvement with with this no. political controversy. Um, but it just, you know, destabilizing the governments um, and really creating um, a space where, you know, crime thrives, people are desperate so that like you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, there is a drive for immigration so that people will come up because mm-hmm. we might not have government programs anymore to put these people in unsafe work conditions but the united states Mm -hmm. knows that they've created an environment Mm -hmm. down there that's going to encourage people to come up here and live in those situations on their own and women specifically who have to travel across borders and risk assault and risk Mm -hmm. death um just to come here at the at the chance of a better life and a lot of times Mm -hmm. you know still a lot of our produce is picked by people who are undocumented immigrants Mm. um, here living in unsafe condition, being paid absolutely unacceptable, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. wages. Um, Mm. And it's, you know, this film and the way that it is depicted U.S. control via a corporation that has set itself up outside of the country in this in this country that they Mm. have made sure is not going to have the same regulations that that they have because we have safety regulations. to, as a means of control and as yeah. a means of furthering, you know, this corrupt capitalist bullshit. 
Absolutely. The um, for anyone who is not aware, do a quick Google search of School of the Americas, uh, which uh, from nineteen forty eight for the next like sixty years produced uh, terrorists, dictators, and war criminals of all sorts throughout Latin America for American interests. Um, but even uh, even more recently, and talking about the nineties, um, one of the things that to go off of what you're saying about how you know the United States has leveraged things through capitalism to create certain conditions, um, in the film they I've jumped around a little bit, so excuse me. In the film, they create scarcity by eliminating mutants. Yeah, and we also have to bear in mind that this is set in 2029, uh, which means that ostensibly there has been there have been industries around mutant powers. There, there almost inevitably has to have been someone who sought to capitalize on mutant labor prior to alkali transition doing their stuff in labs, right? So they create scarcity. And then they create the solution to that scarcity um, in creating these children, these child soldiers, and then later um, X-24, the version of, uh, of Logan that we see as the big bad. Um, in that same way, in the 1990s, through NAFTA, uh, the you know, United States and Canada and Mexico, because they are complicit in this as well, yeah. um, created uh, aspects of scarcity by privatizing some industries that were not privatized. So like in Mexico, there were certain industries, I think agriculture industries that were nationalized that had to be done through like uh, government approval, that kind of stuff. And then they privatized it much the way that Britain did with a lot of their stuff under the Thatcher administration. administration. And this opened up markets for American companies to come down. So like, in the case of like my dad, my dad was a farmer and a shepherd. Uh, and you couldn't compete with American agriculture. Like, um, <laughs> Kind of ironically, companies like Smithfield Farms, which is out of Virginia, would you know go to Mexico, buy up family lands, displace the workers, uh, import their own people, maybe hire some of the locals, and then do mass factory farming. And then the people that were displaced with that would end up in Virginia working in yeah. like the processing plants because that's the only place, like that's where they could get a job. So they created the uh, conditions that forced that marginalization. And the, the perpetuation of that marginalization, especially when you consider that like a lot of these people are coming in without paperwork and often people put it in terms of like, well, what if the companies just don't hire them? Maybe that's a way of solving them. The companies are the ones shifting them in. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. My And then yeah. lobbying the government to make sure that any sort of consequence falls on mm -hmm. the the migrant workers yes. right yeah. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. opposed to the companies that create mm -hmm. these situations or uh yeah yeah good times yeah, yeah it's a great time yeah what yeah the, 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 there's, a, uh, there's a chicken company called, i think it's, it's not tyson's i think it's like uh pilgrim's pride uh that is now a different name but in the in the 90s they were literally carting in mexicans from the border without paperwork to come work in the factories yeah like yeah you could oh well, they shouldn't hire them they're the ones doing it so anyway but that gets to like what alkali transgen is trying to do in this film, right? They are creating scarcity to fill that need with marginalized people that they can then continue to exploit. Um, and the fact that they're kids is nothing because as they say in the film, you can't think of them as children. You have to think of them as property, as copyrights, yep. right? Oh. It's just, I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's so just, horrific. Just imagine if the film was political. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What's, what's so horrific to me about it is that it's just, it's, it's so not far off from our reality at all. Yeah. I mean, there mm -hmm. are there are instances right now happening in the world where this is it, it's actually it's a one for one trade where where people are 
mm-hmm. pro- trafficking in in children, not just in you know human trafficking, but in other like less literal translations in in the forms of like what you're talking about, like the need for mm-hmm. workers and workers who are easily exploited. Um, it's just it's it's not it's not really metaphor or allegory. It's just mm. thinly veiled truth. It's it's damn near documentary. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, and and on a literal sense, uh, who was it? I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, so, uh, was he was he a city councilor out of Scottsdale, Arizona? Uh, a a uh, an elected official out of uh, the Phoenix area of Arizona was just just recently a couple of years ago busted for um human trafficking and uh based he 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 imported women from the marshall islands um and brought them into kansas and i think uh arizona and and basically ran birthing houses and adopted their children off and um, would pay them a fee or whatever, but uh, then cart them back and, and would use uh, public funds to uh, pay for their their hospitalization and births and then send them back. And then and it was just a revolving door in, in these houses. He, he just he bought residential homes that that he turned into birthing houses. Way to bring and, the mood down, Barry. I mean, it's, yeah, but again, literally, this is, this is humans are being sold. It's so topical, too, uh, with the yeah. current uh, overturning of Roe versus Wade in this country and the way that children yeah. and, and birthing rates are being talked about as though it's not about like actual human people. Uh, oh yeah, we, we think the yeah. the adoption industry as an industry. I, I mean, just wait until yeah, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. Well, and uh, and I'm going off of secondhand information here, but it's my understanding that like Amy Coney Barrett said something along the lines of like this will fill a need for the adoption industry. It's like that is gross. Oh yeah, that is yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's and I mean like yeah. I've I've learned so much about the adoption industry. Definitely an aside, but like through TikTok, yeah. for example, that I just mm-hmm. I had no idea how. Mm-hmm. Um, unsavory and yeah. just mm-hmm. not uh, exploitative mm-hmm. and and it's 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 heartbreaking really yeah how little is enforced in that area yeah often because the demographic that is served is upper and middle or upper middle class and uh upper class white people yeah and because they have the money for it what you know we don't want to piss off yeah. the customers it's probably worth noting that barry is a foster parent uh oh really yeah. okay i mean <laughs> yeah. it's you know it's the, yeah. the system is is definitely flawed but it's it's one of those oh, things yeah. that i i learned so much about it because i became interested in in becoming a foster mm-hmm. parent and it's one of those things where now it's like it's i it's something that i don't take lightly and i i hope that yeah. others don't either yeah well, yeah. I bring that up because Barry has a wealth of knowledge about this and has edu- educated me quite a bit about, you know, the ways in which that it is potentially exploitive yeah. um, and that and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we I, I am uh, very closely tied to uh, what has become an unconfirmed uh, but uh, suspected uh human trafficking ring internationally as well i mean we're, we're still learning about it and we will never know all of it because uh records are burned people won't talk yeah you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's it uh, the, this is nothing new. This is nothing old. This is just the the way that uh, mm-hmm. our system is working. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, but I, I mean, I just, I don't know. So it's just crazy. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I, it's in, yeah. this is this and this is really a testament to the film really is how many how mm-hmm. many layers um, the commentary works on. I mean, it's. Yeah. 
there are so many issues that are deeply relatable to so many different people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's... (laughs) It's not a political yeah. film. It's, it's no, just no, no, not. Yeah, no, I, you know? I, we're, we're getting all riled up I'm about so, something that is so apolitical. Yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> if they just turn this into political. Exactly. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad it's not subject to that woke political agenda. Exactly. Uh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, the, the opening of the film right after the, the big uh, mm-hmm. slaughter scene at the very beginning is the establishment of the environment that Logan is mm-hmm. living in, right? Yeah. And and the, the several jobs that we see him uh, doing uh, include uh, a businessman doing his transaction in the back of the, the, the uh, limo where, we, you know, it's it's shady at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he's got the frat bros screaming USA, USA out yeah. at, yep. at, at Border Patrol and those that Border Patrol is working with at the time. You know, like, no, not political not at, all. at all. This has nothing to do with our political I like that little humble brag, Barry, that you've seen the first 10 minutes of the film. Nice. Yeah, thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm really, listen. really trying to stretch <laughs> just, just this out. As as <laughs> I am a contributor. <laughs> Gabriel, don't fire me. If we had a budget, I would, but we don't because we are fueled by exploitive labor, as we've Ooh, talked about. On free, la- free labor keeps me working, I guess. Uh, uh, this is probably not a surprise to anybody, but just in case it is, one of the tricks you learn as a professor is how to, like, uh, I haven't read this reading in two years. I kind of remember it. I'm going to skim it and pick something to really harp on for the class, and that's what we're going to talk about. You know, so, as a neurodivergent uh, former student, um, yeah. same. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, you could have had a career in academia. You might still could. Um, yeah. It sounds like you've tried you, pretty you, well. Are it. you also racked by neuroses and feel like you can't measure up to other people's standards? Then hey, you know it, twinsies. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> so, so okay. We've covered a lot of ground. Um, let's get to the ending of the film uh, with the. It's not a happy ending. I mean, it, it kind of is. There's a net positive, but there's a lot of loss, right? So we lose Charles along the way, right? Um, we lose Wolverine in a particularly graphic manner. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it's it's uh, X-24 just rocks him. Like he doesn't just, get a peaceful death. No, yeah. he yeah. doesn't. He gets, he, you know, is torn apart after he's coming down off of taking basically uh, short form anabolic steroids uh, that are the only thing propping him alive at that point. Um, X24 tears him apart and then impales him on a profoundly resilient tree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, this tree I just, is I, quite. <laughs> when I saw that, when I saw that, I thought of, is it, is it the first one or the second X-Men movie where uh, Logan gets shot in the head by a cop? Um, oh yeah, that's X two. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think On, uh, Bobby Drake's uh, porch. Bobby's yeah, mm-hmm. Bobby Drake's that's house. Right. And yeah. then a cop, you know, pops him in the brain and he falls over and then it like gets pushed back out, right? Yeah. Um and then like that didn't do it, but this tree, man, this tree. Um <laughs> this, this, this tree was the one foretold by prophecy. Yeah, the, uh, the opposite and, it's the opposite of the tree of life. We just it, we're not giving we're just not giving the context of the film. We just have to deduce there's there's like uh, some directors and writers notes about like how this tree was like specially cultivated it was a mutant at one point and then just um it's actually an ent it's a crossover between it tolkien is. <laughs> it is it is no it's one of the ant wives it's where the ant wives went that's where they and went now they're just they're just out here murdering they people. hate mutants um it, yeah you see hobbits up in the branches like cheering everyone <laughs> yeah throwing a rock down or something um so it is traumatizing to watch. No, it's, it's really, we're laughing, but it's horrific. Yeah. yeah, X-24 drags him for like three seconds and then 
Um, there's a, you know, I can't recommend Evil Dead in good conscience to people <laughs> because of the tree scene. Yeah. 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 There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot in those there's, movies that just, yeah. 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 Uh, so, so then he, he, uh, they bury him, right? They give him, and they quote from the movie. Is it Shane, right? Well, and uh, they the in in regards to the peaceful death comment, I think it's I think it's fitting that Wolverine that Logan goes out fighting, but I do think there is we do get to see. I think the the fact that he's resolved himself to putting Laura first um, mm-hmm. is you know especially after the loss of Charles, it's you know it's as much peace yeah. as he's gonna get. It's mm-hmm. knowing that it's not, you know, it's not even about the fact that she's his, you know, biological daughter. It's that, you know, he so much cares for others. And I think that yeah. that scene with X-24 is so sad, but the way that Laura runs up to him, you know, and as he's losing consciousness, but he has that moment of knowing that like someone is crying over, over him dying. And I think that that's yeah. one, one of the things that Logan doesn't maybe explicitly express, but that is very clearly one of his fears that it's not, you know, he wouldn't fear death because he's immortal, but the idea that no one would mourn him, no one cares about his existence. Yeah. And the fact that she's so devastated at the loss, I think is, it's a very violent death, but it's the most catharsis that someone who's been through as much as Logan could ever hope to get, I think. Mm-hmm. It, well, yeah, it's like he's spent his entire journey trying to figure, like, answering the question of who am I, yeah. right? And yeah. uh, if if the answer is uh, I'm I'm important to someone, yeah, I'm loved. Like, okay, like, mm-hmm. fine, yeah, yeah good. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, and that should be that's the thing is that's that's the the last the least important thing that our capitalist society would tell you that you are that you know you mm-hmm. want to die with making a name for yourself but at the, mm-hmm. the truth is that that's the most important thing that we can do mm-hmm. is leave people who love us you know and i think that it's it, it's it's, it's yeah. it, this movie always it's so i love it so much <laughs> <laughs> it's just <laughs> well and it it breaks away from that status of being the abject because mm-hmm. being abject is to be disposable and therefore without value beyond what it is you produce. But Laura loved him legitimately. He failed. Um, he failed, yeah. and she and that didn't matter because she loved yeah. him. You know. Yeah, and and so it breaks his status of being eminently disposable. Um, and of course, realized in a way that is uh, really sad and and somewhat uh, frustrating from like the because you want a happy ending, right? Yeah. Like We like a happy ending, and they just went, "No, we're gonna you know step on your <laughs> on your feet as much as possible and make you cry." <laughs> Um, and then of course they go on, but what, what's also interesting about this though, and it is tied to this, this aspect of the resolution is that like the plan to go to Canada from North Dakota appears to have been mapped onto or mapped from a comic book, right? Yep. Like the gateway to the happy ever after came from a rag that as, uh, as Logan put it is like maybe 25% of this happened and the rest of it is a bunch of, you know, crap. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it really does sort of speak to the value of our fantasy and our escape. Uh, and I also suspect that like, well, in part, maybe it was they were using these two. Maybe that's how the nurses communicated with each other. Right. Was through comic books because you could pass message and who's going to check it. Right. But yeah, like that is our escape to an Eden. Yeah. In many ways. Well, and is the specific, that. the goal is like it's from the actual pages of the published comic. You know, these mm-hmm. the, the nurses, these Mexican nurses, you know they needed something to believe. And 
I think that it's, you know, a little bit of a commentary about religion and the human spirit and the idea that like, you know, you find you find purpose, you know, purpose isn't divine, in in my opinion, anyways, and and you know, according, according to some, um, but it's something that you, you create for yourself. And these nurses, yeah. their objective was to save these children when they were told mm -hmm. to view them as subhuman. Um, mm -hmm. And they had no power. So they created mm -hmm. a purpose and a divinity to yeah. their goal. And it's just, you know, I think it's a real testament to the human spirit. Yeah, absolutely. I would suggest that whether or not you believe in a higher power, that the meaning is constructed. If you construct that with the perception of a higher power, that's one thing. If you construct it with only yourself or if you construct it with somebody else. But the point is, it does have a lot to do with how we choose to approach, um, you know, the, the human spirit aspect. Of exactly. This. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's the uh, uh, the reference in Deadpool 2. <laughs> With the little, oh my god, yeah! <laughs> with the little music box, <laughs> only it's Logan impaled. Which I, yeah. I, yeah. I love that they're the the meta fake feud yeah. between Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman <laughs> worked its way yeah. into the film. That, that was yeah, yeah. No, it was it was great. It was amazing, and and certainly because the movies were released not too long apart from each other. Yeah. Um, I, at least it, it's so much so that it was relevant enough to make that reference that like god that was like a, I remember seeing that in the, in the theaters and just also having, like, like verbally is like this mother like has to one up me like he, yeah. has, to, yeah. he has to die yeah. in his movie like yeah. yeah 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 well and then at the end of Deadpool 1 right he's got Hugh Jackman's face stapled onto his like the, just yes. the magazine yeah, right. picture so yeah like and, and you know it's some of that needed catharsis oh yeah um, that is the silver lining of these movies is that Hugh Jackman is yeah. the like most wonderful cartoon of a human ever and like mm -hmm. his whole like the, the man has made it clear that if he could do anything for the rest of his life it would be just like singing show tunes and tap dancing mm -hmm. like the, the exact opposite <laughs> of Wolverine right, yeah. and I just love yeah, that he right. can pour this intensity into this character but he's yeah. a shining light of a human in, in reality yeah. well I yeah. mean look he made P.T. Barnum a he better not person. screw yeah. up yeah. He, he, he <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we're gonna God I mean it's like you know finding out that you know uh, Chris Evans was in um, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's like book of contacts. It's like, Ugh. look, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was fine. I'm sure it was not because there was like a thousand other celebrity names in there. But don't tell me. Don't. Yeah. Don't do yeah. it. Don't do it. Yeah. I can't take another um, one. I would finding out the list of celebrities who signed the uh, Roman Polanski uh, petition. John Landis also that, uh, uh, going back to him. Yeah. Yeah. It was Tilda, Tilda mm -hmm. Swinton and um, Alfonso Cuarón were the ones that just. Knife to my heart, just absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, still hoping that we're going to get a statement from them some sometime. <sighs> yeah, look, if if there's going to be any bad news about Hugh Jackman, just let it be like ten years after he's dead. <laughs> um, if it has yeah. to come out, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, so we have we yeah we we've, we've gone on for about an hour. Um, is that right, Barry? You've been keeping time. Oh no, not at all. Fracking. When, when we, when we, I did it with the last one that we did. When we do these like full on, like we're going on forever ones. I, we just go on forever. I swear well, to God, I don't know what I pay you for. I don't know what I pay myself for. It's fine. It's, it's an existential journey every day. Wait, I don't know. who's getting who's who, who's writing the checks? Who do I have to speak to after this? I have a very high appearance fee. Just to okay. <laughs> The funniest thing about this is, if anything, there's any compensation coming. It's from it's from Barry to me because I'm using a microphone that he <laughs> from <laughs> to let him use. Ooh. Uh, we're, so. we're co-conspirators yeah. now. All right, all right. It's a good thing I'm editing this. this. It's a yeah. good thing I'm editing this. You're not supposed to say that out loud. 
It's, it's right up there with things I hope my students don't say on my evaluations. Like Dr. Cruz said, only rob at federally insured banks, which is true. <laughs> but also, we don't need to tell our crimes children um, into, you know, into databases. So, uh, <laughs> oh, man, me, every time I see somebody on TikTok admitting to something, I'm like, you come on, just don't. Y'all got don't no put chill. A public record of yourself. Do it. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for whatever else, uh, one thing I've learned from being Catholic is don't you don't snitch. Mm -mm. You just yeah, you stay. That's you between them and God. That's right. You know. That's like, right. I'm sure they'll work it out. He's a very forgiving guy. <laughs> Historically proven yeah. to be very forgiving. Yeah, yeah. Um, of the things he's known for, kindness. Yeah, that's yeah the, absolutely that. That's, yeah, not so much so, back in the day, yes. but you know he's he's reformed. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we all we all mellow with age. Exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> all right. So so Megan, thank you very much for for coming on and, and being so generous with your time. Um people will inevitably see you doing things like walking the red carpet at premieres and stuff like that because you're you're dope and do dope shit. Uh, but where can they find you if you want to be found, you know, the social medias and what have you? The the main place that I that I sh show my face is uh is on TikTok. You can find me at jstubes. Um, and yeah, that's where I ramble sometimes poetically, dare I say, uh, other times more chaotically, but about media and my thoughts and analysis and reviews and all of that. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram um, and uh, on the occasional red carpet, you know, but uh, TikTok's the main one if you want to know what's in my brain some of the time. Uh, just a, an idea of what you can expect from from Megan's uh, TikTok channel is one some very thoughtful analysis of things such as tropes and stereotypes and and deconstructing some things as well as the language of cinema and what have you as well as just really really good videos like when that one person commented that there's nothing objective about your page and your response about yeah this is about my opinion that gave me life I, I <laughs> like he thought it, he thought it was a real insult he was yeah, like nothing yeah. objective ha happens here I was I, like. Mm -mm. For Correct? the better part, <laughs> for the better part of two months, yeah, right. Uh, for the better part of two months, uh, I you're have on been, TikTok, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, how this works. For the better part of two months, I have been sitting on and on a video idea about like the difference between objectivity and subjectivity <laughs> and where they apply, and I don't want like the Joe Rogan fans to come after me is what it is. You know, right? The, the the objectively, this is objectively a bad film. That's it's it's burned into my brain yeah. and it's it hurts yeah. every time I see it. Like Yeah. You don't you, uh, know you, what that means. You only I only take if you the next time I hear someone say, "Well, they're a poorly written character." I'm going to need to insist that you can prove you you can tell oh your ass from a hole in the ground. Uh, you know, because it kill yeah. it literally kills me every time somebody says, "Well, the the problem with this movie is bad writing." And I'm like, Oh, well, how about oh. that? Uh, yeah. Excellent critique. <laughs> I don't, mm -hmm. yeah. No yeah. notes. <laughs> I just yeah. can't wait to see your film. Yeah. <laughs> just, Please, what, are your, what are your credentials? I'd really need to know. <laughs> just, right? yeah. You know, I, you know, and I think that uh, truly, truly, I do think that our education our specifically in the United States, our education system is so varied that a lot of people are not given the tools to properly express their opinions. And Absolutely. so there are, you know, vague catch all terms that people use. But I think that one of the things that's important to understanding media analysis is that you can make an absolutely airtight argument about why you mm -hmm. think that something is good or bad. 
and someone else can make an absolutely airtight argument about why it is the exact opposite of what you think. And neither Mm -hmm. one is objectively true as long as you Mm -hmm. can back up your argument. This is, you know, English class 101. As long as you can back up your thesis with um, informed opinions and research and, you know, the the, the proper sources, Uh, you, you know, you're not wrong. (laughs) You might have an unpopular opinion, but it's, it's, there's nothing objective about it. I, I tell my students all the time, I, there is no right answer here. The question is, is your answer reasonable and is it defensible? Yes. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> if folks want to hear more about, you know, you, you know where to find Megan now. If you want to uh, hear more about, you know, where I ran and whatnot, you can find me on uh, TikTok at Dr. Dot underscore C on Instagram and Twitter at GA Cruz underscore PhD. Um, as always, you can email your comments, questions, concerns, and angry letters to Barry at GA Cruz PhD <laughs> at gmail.com. And, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, leave us a review, share us with your friends and enemies, and um, you know, we look forward to seeing you next week in the office. Please don't right, send thanks, us folks. to Film Bros.